Jesus Christ is risen. And he's risen to make all things new in our lives. He's risen to turn uh, grieving yesterdays into glorious new mornings. He's risen, and through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, he will translate our broken dreams into brand new beginnings. He is risen. And through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, he will take our colossal failures and translate them into his mercies that are made new every single morning. And so my question to you as we continue this morning celebrating the resurrection of Christ is are you living and functioning in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ? Is the resurrection power of Jesus Christ a reality in your life? Yesterday, before Christ was risen, yesterday the darkness was thick, the air unbreathable. Yesterday we were lost, we were defeated, we were without hope, but that was yesterday. And now we have a new beginning. The night is over, the sun has risen, and darkness is on the run, because this day that we're celebrating today, the resurrection of Christ changes everything. This is the day that gives us permission, it gives us the right to dare to hope. All things are made new. This is the day that sight is restored. This is the day that new life in each of our life can take its first breath. This is the day that death is reversed. This is the day that the curse is eliminated. This is the day that all things can be made new. And we're going to see as we walk through the resurrection of Jesus Christ today that grieving pasts do become glorious new mornings Shattered yesterdays become brand new dreams, and colossal failures become brand new beginnings. So if you have your Bible, if you would open it with me to Matthew chapter 28. Let's read about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus split time in half, B.C., A.D. He changed history. This past Thursday, as I was speaking with the HopeWorks Christian Academy students at chapel, I was asking them some of the, uh, their favorite events throughout history, and we talked about the invention of the light bulb, and the invention of the automobile, and, and the Wright brothers, the invention of the flying machine, but without a doubt, the most significant event throughout history, past, present, and future, in all eternity, is the, be- is, was the birth, the life, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus Christ, because it means all things can be made new in our life. All things can be made new. Let's read about the resurrection. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. When I was studying the resurrection of Christ this week, reading and about the resurrection in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, praying through it. One of the things that really stood out to me was that Jesus rose with the sun, even while it was still dark, at at just the dawn, when just the sun was beginning to peak over the horizon. And I just thought it was really beautiful. As I was reading about the resurrection, I was outside, and there was the sounds of, of birds chirping, and I thought, how beautiful that is. 
Uh, the resurrection power of Jesus te- Christ takes the grief and the wailing and the moans and the agony of the cross and translates them into a beautiful new morning. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing like white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. The resurrection of Christ is a fear not message. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid that yesterday was filled with grieving. Do not be afraid that your dreams in the past were shattered. Do not be afraid that you have failure in your past. Do not be afraid, for I know you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place that he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. You see, the resurrection message is twofold. It's come see the empty tomb. Come see the place where he lay. But not only that, go and tell the disciples that he is risen. So the resurrection message is a come and see. The tomb is empty. Death has been swallowed up in victory. All things are made new. Come and see. But not only that, if it's really affected your life, go and tell. Go and tell everybody that he is risen. Go and tell that all things are new. And we continue to read verse 7. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. Then you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. Have you ever been so joyful, so ecstatic, so overwhelmed that you wanted to fall on your face and praise Jesus and you wanted to be speechless and yet you wanted to shout and you wanted to jump, but all you could do, all they could do was run with great joy. And then they told the disciples, they, 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 they got the words out of their heart and through the lump in their throat and through the tears and they blurted it out to the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them. Greetings, And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Again, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is do not fear. It's do not be afraid message. It's don't be afraid of your circumstances. Don't be afraid of the doctor's reports. Don't be afraid of the mountain that blocks your path. Don't be afraid of the disappointments in this life. Don't be afraid of your sorrows. Don't be afraid if everything is out of your control because it was never in your control to begin with. Control is only an illusion that the Lord allows us to hang on to from time to time in various seasons, but we've never had any control over anything. Don't be afraid if everything is out of your control. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, everything is new. Everything can be beautiful again. And everything is in his grip. And this is where he is translating every event that has affected our life. Every disappointment, every sorrow, every sin, every failure. This is where he is leading every moment of our life. Every event, good events and even especially sorrowful events, disappointing events. This is where Christ is leading every event that has affected our life. Jesus said, through the power of the resurrection, behold, I am making all things new. All things. 
Some of us greatly underestimate how far Jesus is willing to take these two words, all things. All things means all things. What's under the category of all things? All things. That's under the category of all things. Death, disease, divorce, disappointment, sorrow, all things. Is there something in your life? Is there some event that's affected your life I didn't mention? That's an all thing. And that's under this category. Jesus said in Revelation 21.5, Behold, I am making all things new. We hear these two extremely beautiful and incredibly bold words again in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Behold, I work all things together for the good. We see these two words again in Scripture in Ecclesiastes 3.11. Behold, he makes everything, everything, or all things beautiful in its time. Everything's not beautiful. Everything doesn't please the heart of God. There are some things that have affected our lives. There are some things in our past, some things that we did, some sorrow that we caused, some sorrow that was caused by others, some sorrow that was caused by simply living in a broken world that is not beautiful. It does not please the heart of God. The Bible doesn't say that all things in your life are beautiful. The Bible simply promises through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ that he takes all things and turns it into something beautiful in its time. Over the years, I have witnessed the resurrection power of Jesus Christ make all things new in people's lives time and time again. There have been times that I've gathered around a casket with a family whose shoulders were convulsing and tears were streaming because of the loss of the loved one, of the loved one. But Jesus made all things new in their life because they knew through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, yes, they grieve, but not as the rest of the world without hope. And Christ made all things beautiful as they clung to the resurrection power of Jesus Christ that Paul speaks of in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 54 through 55. When the perishable puts on imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Over the years, I've looked into the icy glares of marriage partners whose intimacy has turned into anger, the coldness in that room, and their hearts froze the room. There was no hope for restoration, and yet they turned to Christ and experienced the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And I saw the reality of Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, where God promises, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. All things grew increasingly newer. I have had close friends in my life who've lost their lives to addiction, 
And I've had close friends in my life who were inches, inches from losing their lives and families and everything to addiction. And yet, through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, they experienced all things were new, were made new in their life, and could sing with the psalmist in Psalm chapter 40, verse 2 and 3. He drew me up out of the pit, out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm and secure, and he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. He makes everything increasingly new. You can look at the newspapers and watch the news and you see that our world is rattled by sin and death through earthquakes, hurricanes, tsunamis. This world is becoming progressively destructive through wars and, and, and terrorism. And yet scripture said that it would be so. In Romans chapter 8 verse 22 we read, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, and yet one day Christ is going to establish a new creation as we read the prophecy of this day when everything, even creation, is made new in Isaiah 65, verse 17 through 19. And the prophet cries through the, 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 the words of the Lord, and I will create a new earth. And no more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. Did you realize that today there are more uh, martyrs dying for faith in Christ today in our era than all of history combined? Christian persecution is unbridled across the, across the globe. Governmental corruption, abuse of power, disease, starvation are rampant. Yet, regardless of these dismal headlines, one day Jesus will establish not only a new creation, but he will establish a new culture. As the prophet continues to proclaim about this resurrection power of Jesus Christ, making all things new, in, in, in Isaiah 11, verse 6 through 9, the wolf will dwell with the lamb. Can you believe that? The wolf will dwell with the lamb. And the leopard shall lie down with the young goat. No more National Geographic documentaries when animals are going for one another's jugulars. And the calf and the lion and the fatted calf together. And watch this. A little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall graze together. And the young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. And the nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. And the weaned child shall put his hand in the snake's den. And they shall not hurt or destroy in all my mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Nothing in all of our lives... Nothing in all of creation will escape the spreading light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that first dawned on that Sunday that we're celebrating today. Everything will be made new to those who trust in Christ, to those who call out to Jesus. And so 
that means that we can look at our pain, we can look at our sorrow, we can look at our disappointment, and we can look at our failure, and we don't have to despise it, but rather we can thank Him for the glory of the resurrection that's going to make all things new in our life. But we have to call out to Jesus to experience this newness in our life. We have to trust Him to renew our life, to beautify our pain. And when we do call out to Christ, and when we do entrust our heart to Him, the darkness will scatter, the sun will rise, and you and I will rejoice in a brand new morning as we experience the resurrection power of Jesus Christ make all things new. But not everybody is going to leave here experiencing the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, translating their pain into praiseworthy newness. We pray that you will. We pray that you will. But Christ has done his part. And now you have to repent and turn to Christ and call out to Christ to be your Lord and Savior and to take over your life. We continue the resurrection account in Matthew chapter 28, and now we'll pick up in verse 11. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city, the guards who were watching the empty tomb, the guards who trembled and then fell down like they were dead when they were terrified by the angel that rolled the stone away. And while they were going, some of these guards went into the city and told the chief priest all that had taken place. And when they assembled... With the elders, they'd taken counsel. They gave them a sufficient sum of money to these soldiers and told them a lie to spread. Tell the people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. So we have a different group of people. Some looked and they saw that the tomb was empty and they went and they told everybody that he was risen. Others denied it. Others grew hard-hearted and they invented a lie. And they said, no, and I'm just going to continue on with my life, living in my safe bubble of everything that I know and everything that's comfortable and everything that is familiar to me. You know, when I believe it was 1967 or 1968 in Cornell University, a doctor named Martin Seligman conducted an experiment on dogs. And this was the experiment. He took some dogs, he put them in a box. Now, some of the dogs, about half the dogs, were wired up to electrical currents. And so they started shocking the dogs. The dogs, half of them just jumped out of the box. Half of them couldn't jump out of the box. So there was part two of the experiment, and some of the dogs had a lever, and they were all wired up to shock treatments, and the shocks began intensifying. So some of the dogs were able to push a lever that stopped the shocks. Others were being shocked, and they pushed a lever, but their lever didn't do anything, so they continued to be shocked. And then they put some dogs in a box, they started the shocks, all the dogs could jump out. The dogs that could previously stop the shocks immediately jumped out. The dogs who previously touched a lever that had no effect on their shocks, though they could have, like the other dogs, jumped out, they didn't. They just simply lied down and whimpered. And they exhibited symptoms consistent with clinical depression. 
And he named this behavior learned helplessness. They learned that there was nothing they could do to impact their life. There was nothing they could do to alter their course. And so they took the pain and they just lied down and whimpered. That's what happened to these guards. They were comfortable in living in a certain way, and so they continued to live in a lie. And no matter what is in your past, I just want to encourage you, don't allow yourself to be comfortable in it. You can, through the power of the resurrection, jump out of that. Christ will give you the strength. That same power that rose Christ from the grave is available to anybody who will look to Christ and trust in Him by crying out to Christ to, one, be their Lord and Savior, and secondly, to be their deliverer. And so, I just want to close out with two action steps. The first, come and see. The tomb is empty. Come and see. We had Lee Strobel here, oh, a month or two ago. And he testified that he researched so intensely through his investigative journalist skills to disprove the resurrection of Jesus Christ so he could pull his wife out of this cult that he called it, Christianity. But in his research, for two years, he realized... It takes more faith for me to continue to be an atheist than it does for me to simply confess Christ as my Lord and Savior. You know, in the book of Luke, we read that as Jesus was walking with the disciples on the road to Emmaus, their their hearts were closed, their eyes were blinded. And Jesus was walking with them, and as he was walking with them, he was sharing with them, All of the prophets, since Moses, all the way through the prophets of the suffering servants. And then finally, eventually, their eyes were opened, and they realized that it was Jesus who was among them. And they thought, oh, how our hearts burned within us. The prophets testify that Jesus is who he says that he is. Over and over, mathematicians have crunched the numbers. If Jesus simply fulfilled by chance seven of the prophecies that he fulfilled, and there are hundreds of messianic prophecies fulfilled in Christ, that likelihood is one in ten to the 17th power. It's an astronomical number. It's one with 10 and 17 zeros behind it. Ah. If you put a word picture to this odd, it would be like filling the entire state of Texas with silver dollars two feet deep. And then, in the midst of all those silver dollars, randomly putting a silver dollar, burying it somewhere in Texas, burying a silver dollar with a black dot on it. And then, it would be like you getting in an airplane, circling over the state of Texas several times, putting a blindfold on you, putting a parachute, you jumping out, pulling the chute, and you land, and then you shuffle through the silver dollars, and that first silver dollar that you pick up was the one with the black dot on it. What are the odds? One in ten to the 17th power. What are the odds of Jesus fulfilling just seven of the hundreds of prophecies that he fulfilled? One in ten to the 17th power. The prophets testify that Jesus is the Messiah. 
But not only that, we can come and see. We can come and see that the tomb is empty. Even today, you can fly to Jerusalem and you can still come and see the tomb is empty. You say, but maybe the tomb is still there or maybe the body's still there. No, no, no. If the body were still in the tomb, if Jesus were still dead, then the religious leaders and the Romans wouldn't have allowed this quote, hoax about the resurrection of Christ to spread like wildfire. They would have simply got the corpse of Jesus, they would have put it in a cart, they would have willed it through, the, through Jerusalem, and they would have said, here's your risen Savior, we killed him. See, he's still dead. They didn't do that. Why? Why did they go to so much uh, military expense, so much administrative expense, so much financial expense? Why, why did they persecute the church with so much blood if they simply had to get the body of Jesus and roll it through the town because there was no body? Which is why they had to make up the lie. Tell them that you fell asleep and the disciples stole the body away. Well, one, there was no body, and two, the disciples were in no position to steal the body away. Because just a few nights before, they were all denying that they knew Jesus. They were running. Peter was denying with cursing. They were all hiding like scared kids, trembling, because their Messiah, who they thought was going to overthrow the Roman Empire, is shackled by Roman chains, and then they saw him beaten and tortured and crucified on a Roman cross and buried? No, no. These guys weren't going to go up against a Roman garrison and, and overthrow them and at the expense of capital punishment, steal the corpse and break the Roman seal that sealed the tomb. No, no. The disciples wouldn't have stolen the body away. There was no body. The disciples were in no emotional condition to steal the body away. And speaking of the disciples, what happened to that incredible transformation in their lives? What happened to them? I mean, they were scared, they were running, they were terrified, they were hiding. And a matter of days later, they're in the middle of the streets of Jerusalem proclaiming with boldness and authority, He's risen. We've seen it with our own eyes. What caused the change, if not a risen Savior? And by the way, Every one of those disciples, except for John, and John is an old man, was exiled after he was thrown into boiling oil as punishment for following Christ and proclaiming and testifying that Jesus rose from the grave. But all the other disciples each died a brutal death for their faith. And the testimony that they died for was, we saw him with our own eyes. He rose from the grave. Who would die for a lie? And you say, but a lot of people die for a lie. Some, some people, and they'll strap bombs under their chest, go into a crowded marketplace and blow themselves up. A lot of people die for a lie. Yes, but they didn't know it was a lie. And the essence of the disciples, the apostles' testimony was not simply that they believed something to be true that could have been false. The essence of their testimony was that we saw it with our own eyes. That was the, their testimony. And if you didn't conquer death, who would die for a lie? Maybe one of them, but all of them? And not only that, it wasn't simply the disciples that saw the risen Savior. There were over 500 witnesses to the Christ who conquered death. And this word spread like wildfire. This means 
that we don't have to be a prisoner of learned helplessness any longer. This means that though we've experienced pain in our life, though we've experienced sorrow, though we've sinned, we don't have to be a victim of learned helplessness any longer because Christ is risen. And the gift of salvation that he gives to all who call upon the name of the Lord is that they will be saved, forgiven from their sins. They will be clothed in the very righteousness of God. But not only that, they will be endowed with power from on high. You see, when Jesus walked on water and he, and he healed blind people and he raised the dead, he wasn't simply showing off what he could do. He was showing us what we could do and what we will do when we follow Christ and receive the Holy Spirit and walk in this same power that raised Christ from the grave. We read in the book of Ephesians chapter 1, the apostle Paul says that the same power that created the cosmos, the same power that raised Christ from the grave, the same power is available to everybody who believes in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And at that moment, the old is gone, the new is come. And we're saved, forgiven, righteous, and we have a power to function and navigate through life with. It's the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For Mary, her yesterday was a grieving yesterday. Mary gave birth to Jesus. It was immaculate conception. In fact, Larry King, who's an atheist, was asked, if you could ask God any one question, what would it be? And he said, I would ask, was, the virgin, was it really a virgin birth? Because that would make all the difference in the world. And Mary gave birth to Jesus, and life was fresh and it was exciting and their hearts were filled with hope we read in Luke chapter 2 that Mary and Joseph took Jesus into Jerusalem and this prophet, this old man Simeon held the baby Jesus up and he prophesied this child is destined to cause the rising and the fall of many Mary and Martha were marveling at all this and then he handed the child back to Mary and he pointed at her and he said And this child will be a sword that pierces your own soul too. What's he talking about? He's talking about the crucifixion of Christ. He said it's going to crush your heart. You imagined, you you dreamt of your son saving the world in glory and splendor. But one day you're going to be at the foot of the cross and you're going to watch him uh, be covered in nakedness and torment and torture and shame as he embodies the sins of the world, and he dies. Mary's yesterday was a grieving yesterday, but through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, everything changed in a moment into a glorious new morning. The disciples, as I mentioned, they all ran and they scattered because they dreamt of Jesus and they thought that Jesus was going to overthrow Rome, like David killed Goliath and conquered the Philistines, etc. Or like Gideon killed the Amalekites and delivered Israel, etc. They thought it would look something like that. They signed up to see Jesus 
overthrow Rome, not to be crucified on a Roman cross. And so they were mad, they were angry, they were terrified, they ran, their dreams were shattered. And yet, through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, everything was made new in a moment. And they realized that the dream is bigger, the dream is more glorious, the dream is more ambitious than they ever imagined. And it doesn't consist of physical geography, it consists of men's hearts and souls. And it's not going to last for simply a season, but it is going to span eternity. And they gladly laid down their swords, and they each picked up their crosses, and they followed. And Peter denied that he even knew Christ with bitter cursing. And yet, Peter realized after the resurrection, it's true, God's mercies really are made new every single morning. When Jesus died on the cross, it was the darkest day in history, but it was the most beautiful and glorious day in history. And when Jesus died on the cross, your sins died too. And when Christ conquered death three days later, and he rose from the grave, your hope rose too. So that through the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, when we call upon the name of the Lord, all things will be made new. And no matter what painful, sorrowful, hurtful event, fallen event affects our life today, Jesus will, through his power, power of the resurrection, translate that into the greatest blessing as he makes all things new. I've been walking with Jesus for some time now, about really seeking him for about 25 years. And I love Jesus today more than I loved him then. Because I realize more and more each day, it's not about me, it's about him. It's not about me holding on to him, it's about him holding on to me. And I realize that whether it's I'm on my A game or whether I've stumbled, Christ's love and faithfulness is constant in my life. And I've realized he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And I've realized that he is more faithful than I could ever imagine. And I know that his mercies are new every morning. And I have experienced over and over and over in my life, that every fiery dart from Satan that has ever hurled at me through the power of the resurrection, by the time it reaches me, it becomes a blessing in my life. I can testify of that. It is true. Christ has conquered death. And he's conquered our sin so that all things can be made new in our lives. Come and see. Come and see. The tomb is empty. And then, go and tell. Go and tell everybody, everyone, everywhere that he is risen. Would you stand with me, please? You know, with your heads bowed, I would just like to lead some of you to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So all all things can be made new in your life. How are we going to respond to what we're celebrating today, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Christ from the grave? How are we going to respond to this today? Will we 
like the Roman soldiers, bury our head in the sand and ignore what we've seen, what we've heard, and do our best just to go on living the most comfortable life, the most familiar life possible? Or will we, like Mary and Martha and the disciples, will we allow it to change our world and as a result change the world around us? Will we come and see and believe he is risen? You know, Billy Graham had many doubts, the great evangelist had many doubts about the Bible when he was a young man going through seminary. And he was wrestling through this, and he had a very analytical mind, and God gave him that. It's a gift. But one day, he opened up his Bible, and he set the Bible down on a rock. In fact, that rock is still there today, and it has an inscription of this event. He set this Bible down on a rock, and he bowed down, and and he prayed, God, I surrender my doubts to you, and I trust the God of this book. Did you know that you can choose to believe this morning that Christ died on the cross for your sins and that he rose from the grave three days later? There's enough evidence to prove in a modern-day court of law that he is indeed risen. I have, after these 25 years of walking with Jesus and experiencing his grace in my life, his goodness, his faithfulness, his consistency, his provision... Over and over and over. I mean, if it was just one time, sure, let's chalk it up to a coincidence. But over and over and over and over, every time I've ever been desperate for him and called out to him, every time he's come through miraculously, gloriously, faithfully, Jesus is more real to me today than this wooden pulpit right here. He is risen. And he lives inside my heart, and he's my faithful friend. And you can choose to begin a relationship with this faithful God this morning. Come and see. He is risen. He is risen. When he died on the cross, he died for your sins. When he conquered death, it was to give you a new beginning, an eternal life. So would you bow your heads with me? I would just like to lead you in a prayer to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I want to encourage everybody in the room to call out in a loud voice. But first, I want to pray for you that your eyes would be opened and your heart would see that He has risen because the disciples' hearts were dull and, and their heart burned as Christ was talking to them. But then He had to open their eyes. And so, if you would just like to pray, help I want to believe. I, I want to believe and I want to receive Christ. Just raise your hand high and I would just like to, to pray for you. All right. Praise God. Okay, Father, you, you saw those hands. And just as you walk with your disciples on the road to Emmaus and you open their eyes, I, I pray that you would open the eyes of faith of everybody here who's raised their hand. I, I want to believe. I want to believe. So, Father, let them see. You have risen. You have conquered sin. You've conquered death. You've conquered the grave. You've not only spun the cosmos into existence by the power of your word, but you've died for our sins and you rose for our resurrection and for our hope. And now, if you raised your hand, I believe the Holy Spirit is just done a, is doing a work in your heart. And I just want to lead you to call out to Jesus Christ to be saved right now. So let's just pray. And everybody pray in an audible voice with the person to encourage the person next to you. Let's pray. God, I know that I've sinned, but I believe you paid for my sins on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, 
and I believe you conquered death. So come into my life, Jesus. Forgive me for my sins and take over my life. Jesus, be my Lord. And help me to grow in this new relationship with you. With your heads bowed, I wonder how many of you pray to receive Christ right now this morning. Just raise your hand high. Okay, well, praise God. Praise God. How do you know that it's for real? How do you know that it's for real? And if you would look at me now. Here's how you know. Because you follow Jesus in baptism. Baptism doesn't save you, but it's evidence that you are saved. It's an outward testimony of what happened in your heart when you called out to Jesus. It's a picture of the dead is, is the, the old is gone and dead, and you're new in Christ as you follow Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. So I want to encourage you to follow Jesus in baptism. That's the next step. It, it doesn't make you saved, but it tells the world, I'm saved. We're having a baptism uh, celebration uh, the very first Sunday of May. And so I want to encourage you to follow Jesus in baptism. Talk to me about it. Put it on your Connect card as you turn it into to Don and Gracie and back in the lobby. And uh, we are so grateful that you're here. We're so honored to be with you. God loves you so much. He left the, the glory of heaven where he's being honored and worshipped and revered for eternity and he came to this dusty planet where he would be mocked and tortured and mistreated and crucified you see Jesus would rather go through the agony of the cross for you than to live in the glory of heaven without you that's how much he loves you and we're so grateful you're here we believe this is divine appointment and we're so grateful that you called out to Jesus Christ to save you so follow Jesus in baptism this Sunday and go and tell Maybe you just got saved this morning. Maybe you've been saved a long time. Go and tell everyone, everywhere. Look for an opportunity to tell people what Jesus has done in your life. And it's all about a relationship. It's not about things that we do or religion, because everything's been done by Jesus. So now it's about a relationship where we seek Him, and we read His Word, and we trust Him. And in so doing, you'll experience over and over and over the faithfulness of God. Now, don't get distracted by problems. Don't get distracted by sorrows. Don't get distracted by mountains that will block your path. Jesus said it will happen. He said it will come. But he said he'll be there for you. And he's stronger than anything that you will walk through. And then we learn to be excited when sorrows like sea billows roll because you've experienced Christ's faithfulness time and time again. And you actually start to look forward to seeing how he's going to move the mountains in your life this time, how he's going to provide this time, how he's going to renew your spirit this time. And then this time next year, you'll say, Jesus is more real to me than this right here. He's more real to me than anything else because he is a faithful God. So we're so grateful that you're here. We look forward to seeing you follow Jesus in baptism. Come back next Sunday. Bring friends with you who need Christ. It's a come and see. But not only that, it's a go and tell. Tell everybody he's risen. Tell everybody he's alive. And you know he's alive because he's alive in your heart. Go and tell. Go and tell somebody. Invite everybody back with you next week to begin growing in this relationship with Jesus Christ. As both our, our children and, and youth ministers said, we're, we're about to have a massive Easter egg hunt for the kids. So we encourage you to stick around for that. Um, there's also some food out there, some great sandwiches, drinks, cookies. There's also an Easter um, 
picture booth, photo booth. So be sure to, to, to hang around in fellowship and uh, be sure to turn in your connect card to Don and Gracie for a gift basket and indicate in there if you'd like to be baptized or talk to me about it. So let's praise Jesus because the tomb is empty.